Hello, and welcome back to the Disc Golf Hour. I'm Liam, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy. Hello. And today, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about, but mostly we're talking about what's in our bags. Now, I know you've all been clamoring to find out what Jared and I throw, because obviously uh, you too could throw these discs to become a better player. Uh, <laughs> no, it's probably not actually what people are interested in. So we're not going to do a very like standard in the bag, because I don't think people really care about the minutia of what's in our bag we're going to talk about some cool discs in our bag we figured it would be a fun episode to do something like that we also got some news stuff to cover that's largely disc related and then we're going to do a bit of a recap of the memorial and a look ahead for uh waco which is coming up this weekend uh yeah and then we got you know the classic disc on the desk segment so uh without further ado let's get started so in the news this week a ton of new discs have dropped, and Jerry, you added most of this to the list, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you kind of take it away talking about uh, these first ones, and uh, yeah, let the people know what's going on. Yeah, so Prodigy is releasing a bunch of new discs, uh, primarily with uh, both Kale Laviska and Kevin Jones are getting their own distinct line of discs that are like separate from the typical Prodigy naming convention. So this is the the Paul McBeth treatment. Yeah, essentially. Uh, Kale LaVisca's first disc is called The Falcor. And if you watched a bunch of the coverage of the LVC, you probably heard of a bunch of the the Prodigy players ripping ripping those all weekend. And notably, Drew Gibson was throwing it at um, the Memorial as well. So even somebody who has an open bag is throwing it, which has got to be a, a little bit of a a boon for the disc what is it it's a it seems like kind of a neutral ish uh distance driver it's a wide rim distance driver got a pretty sweet stamp on it um and then in the kevin jones line which is all dj themed he has an overstable approach disc called the distortion which ganon burr was notably throwing at lvc and also uh, an overstable dis- wide rim distance driver called the Reverb. And then uh, separately from those, they're also bringing out the FX3 and FX4 to complement the the pretty popular FX2, which is sort of like a speed speed 9, 10-ish disc. And the FX3 and 4 are respectively less stable than the, the FX2. So if you see... And that it's kind of interesting because I always, when I know what pros throw, I know I'm not as good as pros. I know I can't throw as hard as them. But if I see a disc doing something cool, I'll often, if I get the opportunity to pick up something, either like a click or two down in stability. So it's kind of cool that many of the Prodigy pros throw FX2s and now sort of that option's available. Right. You have something that's less stable that you can throw if you want to. Yeah. Um, do we know also, what the plastic types are going to be like are these are these like in the spectrum plastic because they're signature di- series discs kind of things or i've i've seen them in the sort of prodigy plastics still confuse me i've seen them in the sort of champion like clear premium plastic that's 500 for the mo- i think for the most part maybe, um, maybe 750 like i i don't know yeah <laughs> i've i've seen them in those plastics for the most part, I'm not I'm not entirely sure about the full details of what the runs will be. 
but all right i know they're they're coming soon also a disc we missed from earlier that's already released is the first of the drew gibson finish line uh series and that was the million dollar deal he signed with infinite discs which was for his own disc line and it's called the era and it's kind of a a neutral 10 speed disc and it's it's supposed to be a disc that sort of everyone everyone is able to throw it's not a super overstable bomber disc which is what you might think of when you think of drew gibson it's i guess that's a... oh sorry go ahead yeah it's actually a neutral it's like got some turn to it but still got a bit of finish so i think that might be like a byproduct of him having an open bag and he gets to just like throw whatever he wants so he doesn't need to go to his his manufacturer and say like i need you to make me a destroyer clone because i've thrown destroyers my entire life and now i need your version of that or else i'm like gonna lose some some step in my game yeah, or whatever he, like he, he just, just throws gets to... the same destroyers he's always yeah. been throwing <laughs> yeah <laughs> gets to throw some destroyers gets to throw some buzzes you know it's uh yeah seems like an ideal situation and then sort of last and and most least... notably we're probably going to spend the the most amount of time on this innova announced another disc and we we specifically want to talk about the marketing strategy for their their new discs and it's called the mid disc three metal warrior and you might be thinking that sounds kind of familiar yeah oddly familiar and if you are i will uh point your attention to the fact that disc mania has recently released a disc called the md3 and eagle signature version of that disc is called the iron samurai and These have existed for some time. Existed for some time. The Iron Samurai Three is what we're on now. Yeah, and and notably, Innova owns the original mold for the the original the Discmania MD3. Yeah, and they're oh so subtly pointing out that this is most likely that same mold that people know and enjoyed. But I just wanted to bring up the fact their marketing is for me just super lazy and sort of leaves a bad taste in my mouth i don't know it It feels very like derivative in a like kind of like unpleasant way like it's not even that like they're trying to make a clone of a discmania disc they're kind of like shoving it in your face that they still own the mold and like yeah it doesn't feel good <laughs> yeah i just want them to call it like stick with their innova naming convention call it after some animal or yeah. whatever call it like the toucan or whatever yeah and then in the description be like formally it's, MD3. it's an md3 yeah like yeah. don't this feed around MD3 the bush mold. and like put it through google translate four times and then back to english and then get metal warrior from iron samurai like yeah yeah it's bad it's did really s- bad. similar things with the power disc and phantom sword yeah yeah, yeah they're i don't know it just see yeah it just seems really low effort and yeah as you say derivative in a bad way well, because like imitation is very common in in disc golf, like in disc manufacturing, right? Like, 
the Innova makes the destroyer, then every company wants to make their version of that disc, right? Uh, but typically, it feels a, a lot better because, like, a there's differences between each of the manufacturers. You know, like things are gonna things are gonna fly differently, and also like. <laughs> it's not literally the destroyer mold that someone has like absconded with from the end of a factory. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it, it already feels kind of weird that in a, yeah, I, I know Innova has the intellectual property for the molds and like, they're going to capitalize on them eventually. So yeah. that's fine. I understand that's how that works. That's the deal they made with this mania, whatever their, their business, they're going to like utilize the assets they have. That makes sense. I'm not, like it feels a little greasy to me, but I'm not gonna begrudge them from like optimizing their business. But just the way they're they're marketing it sort of makes it feel like they're like flaunting it and being it's a little like, Scrooge McDucky almost. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Yeah, fair enough. Well, uh that's all we have for new disc releases and as a result also all we have for the news um sorry my cat is angling to try and he's on my one headphones yeah he's just kind of uh, prowling around my desk looking as though he was trying to get into some trouble and like realistically that is probably what he was trying to do but he is uh, he is known to do that yeah that's true <laughs> okay so now let's move into like our main topic so this is what's in our bag so like i said we're not going to sit here and tell you every disc in our bag why we chose it you know that's that's uh a it doesn't convert into audio super well you know you can't you can't see the discs anything like that and also frankly like i don't think we think that highly of ourselves that you should care about every disc in our bag uh, no yeah. one needs to know about the third Malta in my bag. That's not that's not important. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what we're going to do is we've got a couple of different categories, and we're going to just talk uh, about each of the discs in our bags that fit into that category the best. So the first one we want to talk about is the longest-serving disc in your bag, the disc that's been in your bag the longest. Uh, Jared, do you want to go first for this one? Sure. So mine is a sort of magenta-y... S line FD. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was before they have it's got the Discmania Shield stamp, but it was before it was like Discmania Originals. It was pre-Discmania Originals. The stamp is almost completely worn off. Uh it's it's scuffed, scuffed to crap, but the the rim is still in super good shape. And it's just a disc that I've beat in so well. It's like a fairway driver that has the flight of a putter. Like it just holds whatever line I put it on forever. As long as I hit it pretty good. And it's just such a powerful tool to have like a disc that will go and just hold anything for like more distance than I can get out of a putter or mid range. Sort of like a, a cheat code in my bag. <laughs> uh all right my longest serving disc is also a Discmania disc uh this is a uh metal flake sea line pd um yeah which is already a mouthful i got this in a mystery box like a Discmania mystery box six years ago 
basically like when I started playing disc golf, I got gifted a couple of discs from, from friends. And then when I went to actually like get discs of my own, I just decided to get a mystery box. I don't think it was the best decision. I'm not sure I would recommend it, but, uh, but I did it. And, uh, I got a bunch of sweet discs out of it, and this is one of the ones uh, that came out of that box, and it's the only one from that box that is still in my bag. There's a PDX that I don't bag anymore. There's a DDX that I don't bag anymore that both came out of that out of that box, and there's a couple putters that I don't putt with anymore. But this this Metal Flake Sea uh, Line PD, it's a uh, it's a nice one. It it. It has really not it's held its stability pretty well and it's my kind of like go to go to disc for like if i need controlled distance um that's like always 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 what i'm going to reach for and i've been trying to get another disc that flies like it and i've been having a terrible time i've got like two s line pds that are just not in my bag because i i don't have the time to beat them in enough to fly like this i have Really just like, I've tried a lot of things. I have an Annex, an Onyx, sorry, that I've beat in that flies close. That's like the next closest thing. But this disc is uh, pretty irreplaceable for me. And yeah, it's uh, it's 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 cool looking too. I, I really like it. Nice. Well, yeah. next up is newest edition. So the, the uh-huh, newest uh-huh. disc to our bag. Do you want to go first for this one? Yeah, I got you. So uh, my the newest edition of my bag is actually a lot more, a little more boring. Uh, sort of in the same line though. Uh, one of the discs that I throw, I own many of and throw. I have three of them in my bag, or two of them in my bag right now. But I, I typically bag three as a Zeus. Um, I do like a Zeus. Uh, it is my preferred of the Destroyer clones, uh, <laughs> like I was talking about earlier. And uh, yeah, I just have this new one. I, it literally just got into my bag at the very end of last summer, which or last summer fall when I could play last. It's really it's like a super flat top kind of like purpley brown um, Zeus. I don't know if I like it yet, to be totally honest with you. It it go far. It it definitely flies pretty far. But it's kind of interesting. It's it's a little bit more stable than the other Zeus that I have in my bag right now, which. Um, received the uh, very interesting uh, beating in process of uh, hitting the side of the water treatment plant at yep. the disc golf course. I, as soon as you started saying that, I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Many of my discs have received that that um, rite of passage, which does tend to make them a mite bit more understable. Um, and so, yeah, this Zeus is my stable, my stable Zeus, the one that I throw when I actually need something to hold. But I, I don't know if I like it for that role yet. Like, I have PD2s that I throw as my, like, stable distance-distance driver. Well, I have a PD2 that I throw for that. But anyway, so that's the newest disc in my bag. It's sweet. I like the way it looks, but I, I'm not I'm not sure. It might, it might not stay in the bag. What about you? What do you got? So my newest disc in the bag is kind of like a Merlot-colored uh, Prodigy Canada stamp uh, FX2. I got it to sort of complement one of the other discs I'm going to talk about later that's getting on. And uh, I wanted to try it because a lot of the, it's sort of my like overstable, not max distance disc, but like I need to throw a hyzer and land at a specific spot and it doesn't need to go super far kind of disc. 
or I can throw it on like on a low skip shot or on a spike hyzer over something and I know it's going to get to the ground pretty quick. Uh, but it's not so beefy that I can't also like shape something with it or throw a flex shot if I need to. So it's it's filled that gap pretty well. I got it over over the off season and I've been sort of working it in to to be a bit more glidey and it goes kind of surprisingly far if I throw it kind of flatter with a little bit of flex out of my hand. So I've been liking it so far. It's it's the only prodigy disc in my bag, but I it's not in my bag right now, but I actually I have a 400 uh, G version of that that disc that I throw in the fall winter when it starts to get pretty cold because it's a little uh little softer. And yeah, mine uh, is not soft and I could not tell you what plastic this. Oh wait. 750. It's 750 plastic. Yeah, it's the it's the premium one. But yeah. uh no, that's sort of been my experience with that disc too. It's sweet. I I I like it quite a lot for those kinds yeah. of shots. Yeah. I've I've I was pleasantly surprised. I I mostly just got it cuz it looked really cool. It's got like a <laughs> kind of yeah. like sky blue Prodigy Canada s- stamp and it's like in like a it's it's almost burgundy, but it's just mm-hmm. in like a really deep purple color and purple's purple's my favorite color, so I got it because it looked cool and I kind of wanted to try it cuz I've heard of lots of people throwing it. So yeah, Sweet. All right. Out. The next category is the disc that we throw the best. So why don't you you lead us off for this one? I don't know if this is the the one that the H that the uh, FX two is supposed to complement, but it's it's not. Alas. So I'll I'll give an honorary mention to a disc that's not in my bag because it was the disc I threw the best. I and it, I I have an old Emac Truth that I have two of my four basket aces with. Um. And then practicing for a tournament at Raptors last year, I lost it for two days. And I was it it it's the only disc that I've thrown that has so much sentimental value that I don't really want to throw it. And so I Yeah, I it's took just it like out. not t- not worth risking losing. Has my first eight first ace ever, and it's got a second ace on it as well. And so that's an honorary mention because it's not in my bag anymore. But the disc I've been throwing the best recently is a James Conrad Signature Series Electron Envy. Uh, it's got that Conrad di- juice flowing through it, you know? It's just the... These discs are so good. I started throwing them the week before Worlds. I bought two. And they fly really, really good. And since then, obviously, everybody else knows how good they, they fly. And yeah, they're at my local course, there's holes uh, four, five, six, and seven. I throw this disc on, and that's that's what I call an envy alley or bird, birdie <laughs> alley. And that's where I typically get the majority of my birdies on that course. So yeah, it's been it's been really good for me. You said it's uh, electron plastic. Yeah, so it's the baseline plastic. So th- this one is like a, it's got a purple rim and kind of like a peach center. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty beat in. It's just like dead straight. They're they're decently stable out of the box, but because they're base plastic, they kind of kind of beat in a bit. But I find the overmold discs, even in base plastic, don't, don't lose too much stability. 
so yeah i've i've really been liking them i have uh i have a couple backups because it's baseline so yeah it's easy to have a couple backups not gonna last forever but yeah I've, i've been absolutely loving loving this disc it's like one of the first putters that i've I, I always struggled throwing putters. Mm-hmm. I just found it difficult for whatever reason to sort of not torque them too much or find a good release with them. But this this disc just just had it all. So yeah, was able to yeah. I have a there. cosmic neutron, like a watermelon cosmic <laughs> neutron envy that I I threw for a little while, but it's not not in my bag currently. I, I still have issues with throwing putters. I, yeah, the old the mid range game not, not my friend. Throw far putt good. That's the plan. Uh, what about you? What's what's your disc you throw the best? The disc I throw the best is uh, gotta be this Paul Macbeth uh, Malta. One of the three that are in my bag. Uh, this is the longest serving one in my bag, and. Um, yeah, I really, really like this disc. It's I so like, like we have talked about a little bit before. I throw with a lot of torque, uh, and as a result, I have a really hard time with shots in the like 200 to 300 range. Like, it's easily my my worst kind of distance to throw. Uh, if you want me to throw something between 300 and 400, I'm content with figuring that out and under 200 um i think my ultimate background hello champion yes you're you're very in the way again i think my ultimate background is enough that it's it's i i don't feel as uncomfortable with that kind of distance but yeah the malta has been uh a real uh it's been so revolutionary for my like ability to, to card birdies on holes that are that length basically in between that 200 to 300 range and this one's great it's it's beat in enough now that it uh can take a lot more lines like if you if i release it on some annie it'll hold that for long enough that it kind of just pans out to being flat or if you throw it on hyzer it'll hold the hyzer it's it's uh yeah it's my my favorite mid-range and uh the definitely the the disc that i throw the best in my, in my bag if if it's like uh anything under 300 this is the disc i'm i'm reaching for nice what about you uh or we did you we did last category (laughs) category. sorry Sorry, i'm being accosted by a cat uh, uh, you're excused uh so our last category is our favorite disc in the bag and there's no caveat to it it's just absolutely objective whatever you deem as your favorite for whatever reason you so choose yeah, yeah. Do you want me to go? Yeah, yeah. You you kick us off. All right. So you mentioned earlier that you had taken that Emac Truth out of your bag because like only a crazy person would throw the disc that they have multiple aces on that like it would cause them a lot of like sentimental anguish were they to lose it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so I I do that. Um, I have this <laughs> this disc mania evolution instinct. Um. It's like a blue Neo Instinct. I've had it for a while, actually. Um, maybe two, three years, three years, I think. Well, I got it like right around the time when when they came out. So I don't, I don't know exactly the timeline for that, but I've had it for I've had it for a long time. I have uh, a tonal ace and a basket ace on it. 
Um, and for some reason, it's still in my bag. I have other instincts. I don't even always reach for this one anymore. Like <laughs> a lot of the time, I'm reaching for my um, the Leo Pyrenean um, Royal, Royal Rage, Rage instead. Yeah, yeah. like I, I do like that one more. So I, I just throw it more often. But for some reason, I still have this disc in my bag, and I do still throw it sometimes. And uh, I did manage to lose it in a big bush on Toronto Island uh, this last summer, and I did spend fully 45 minutes looking for it, and I did find it, so it was okay. But that that did make me think maybe this disc shouldn't be in my bag anymore, but this is definitely uh, my favorite disc in my bag. There's tons of sentimental value. I love throwing instincts. They're, they're my favorite mid-range by far. Um, fairway, and, right? Yeah, fairway, yeah. Sorry, I autopilot. No. Uh, yeah, my favorite fairway by far. And uh, yeah, this is my my favorite of the bunch. Nice. What about what what about you? What do you got? My disc is the disc that my FX2 sort of replaced. It's a Simon Lazat D- Doombird 2. Uh and I've thrown it so much, it's not really that Doombirdy anymore. It's it's got a bunch of glide to it. It even for my lesser than Simon arm speed. It, what what is a Doombird again? Like what's it a signature series of? It's an FD3. So FD3. it's like their firebird basically it's i don't think traditionally fd3s are quite as stable as firebirds but that it's sort of yeah it's like 9303 instead of 9304 right something like that so it's like a a quite overstable fairway driver and so now mine's probably a bit more thunderbirdy which is like a bit more glide a bit less fade um it's still always going to go left but it's just become a lot more workable and like your your favorite disc, I almost lost it last summer when I was playing up in Kamloops. I threw it on a big spike hyzer over some trees, and I thought it landed like perfectly in the middle of the fairway. And it turns out it had probably rolled like 60 feet from where it landed. Mm, not ideal. Yeah, the ground is hard in Kamloops. Discs, discs roll. I, I figured that out. Um... And yeah, I eventually, I, we like, I spent like, we were playing in a group of three and we spent like maybe 15 minutes looking for it, the three of us. And we like scoured the fairway, couldn't find it. And then after the round, I went back for another 20 minutes until I eventually found it. I was freaking out because this disc is so prohibitively expensive. It's never getting replaced. So. Well, and I imagine too, it's like so broken in at this point, like getting, getting one to the point that this one is at is not easy either right like exactly and it's sort of like the my fd where the rim is in really good shape but like the stamp is mostly coming off just because i've thrown it so much and so it's just like one of those like super nicely beat in discs where it it doesn't do what it's supposed to do but it's it's still got the essence but so it's just such a cool disc because it's an fd3 but it's got like it it's still got the finish, but it doesn't get there quite as quickly. So you can like do more things with it, at least for my arm speed. It's probably like a new FD3 for, for Simon, but <laughs> it lets me do, do Simon-esque things with it or like obviously scaled down, but yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the much, much, uh, <laughs> lower speed version. Yeah. Not yeah, quite as know. far. But... It, le- it lets me pretend. Okay. Yeah, 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 I you know, everyone, but it's also everyone. just kind of cool. I bought this disc like 
at retail before they like never went to retail before like you had to buy them within the first minute of them dropping or you just were never getting one yeah. i just like went on to my local retailer's website i'm like oh yeah this this looks sick i like simon buy <laughs> and then just immediately into the bag start throwing it if i kept it it's like worth easily three digits but yeah know. well it might not be worth three digits anymore I'm well sure. yeah i mean if i like kept it in a bag and just thrown it in the uh-huh in the yeah. closet or whatever but <laughs> yeah this this one definitely not three digits but yeah, yeah but it's... well kept now now you're talking... well well used yeah well yeah i mean <laughs> all right cool so now let's move on to talk about uh a little bit of a tournament recap and a look forward so uh the last week was not a DGPT event, but it was a, um, there was still a, a disc golf tournament that like a, a non-trivial number of pros attended. I think it's, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so this was the Memorial. This has been a really like high level tournament in the past. And I think it's only been, uh, like the last taken two off years, in this, I think. The last two years. It hasn't been there. Yeah. Um, so I I mean this was an exciting tournament I think it's fair to say, um, yeah I, I mean where, where do you want to start with with the recap here what what do you think is the worth talking about? So I think about? the the main storyline that everyone's going to focus on is that Paul it was Paul McBeth's first tournament yeah, of the year, tour. and if you recall I said he maybe wanted to start with the Memorial because he traditionally plays quite well at the Memorial. Round one, he shot a 16 under 1108 rated round. Um, yeah, that's above average. He averaged like 1070 something. He kind of fell off as the event went on. Yeah, he shot 1108, 1098, 1030 something, 1050 something. Yeah. Which like, uh, you know, to be fair, not not really reasonable to expect someone to maintain the blinding he, pace. Yeah, he did end but... up only winning by three. AB, Anthony Barella also played very well that weekend. And, yeah. you know, maybe maybe gave Paul something to think about. But, you know, after his first two rounds, Paul was kind of kind of cruising a bit. Yeah. And then like notably, Kristen Tatar too. took down the the FPO field and Jen Allen came Came second. Second, yeah. And the FPO field was a little um, thin, right? I think it's fair to say. Like, yeah, it was pretty much Jen Allen and the European contingent were like the main people. I don't think Sarah Hokum played. Katrina Allen and Paige skipped it. A bunch of like the the touring FPO players didn't didn't play. I think because the Europeans, a bunch of the Europeans are staying with Jen Allen is probably why they played. And I guess they're only here for for so long, so they probably just want to play as many tournaments as they can. Yeah, they here. just want to but... they just want to jam as much as possible, which like is fair. I don't hate that. Yeah, totally. I think uh, one one thing that's kind of interesting to talk about on the FPO side too. I mean, um, obviously Kristen Kristen won, and and she was pretty steady for like a lot of the a lot of the tournament she shot a, a 10 12 rated first round to kind of take the lead and then never really looked back from there i think jen allen was chased, chased her down she also shot a, a thousand rated round in round two but then yeah round three and four was 
she was just she was just a, a little bit more consistent it, it looks like to me but i think the the real story is um hannah bloomrose who had such a bad lvc right like uh, a real real collapse she did bounce back at least a bit right i mean fourth is not maybe uh exactly the finish that you would expect but she did play pretty well excluding her uh very poor third round like if you if you don't if she shoots closer to her average she's actually in contention to win this tournament as well and then the other thing that i think is kind of interesting about this tournament is uh, this was our first sight of uh, katie tate yeah uh, and she did not play well uh, no. <laughs> well okay not play well is not a reasonable thing to say but uh was not ever really competing to i win mean she game. played fine she didn't play yeah, well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. She was she was never threatening to win the tournament, right? Like this was this no. one of those tournaments where there's a cutoff at fifth and then a bit of a cliff uh, yeah. for for the next finish. Also, notably, having watched not all but a bunch of the the coverage, which is if you want to watch coverage, the disc golf guy uh, Terry Miller put out both FPO and and MPO coverage uh, post produced for the the memorial. Uh, Evelina was a shambles on the putting green basically all weekend like she was missing like multiple putts inside 12 feet like airballing 12 footers crazy yeah kind of so that that's maybe something to monitor uh going forward yeah so like she's i think she came fifth right uh yeah she tied for fifth with emily beach yeah so without if evelina's putting like normally she's probably plus like seven strokes from where she yeah. finished at yeah, least so she's also challenging for the win yeah yeah makes sense okay cool so that's i mean that's the memorial i don't think that there's a, a ton to be said about it it's i mean it's no. a fun tournament it's clearly pretty good thomas gilbert had another nice finish andrew marweed had a bounce back after a poor lvc that's uh, more andrew marweed's sort of speed there's nothing like huge bombery more just like keep it in bounds yeah your, putts, your lines yeah. kind of his more his style like park golf woods golf that's where he's more comfortable yeah okay cool so that's uh the tournament that just passed now let's do a look forward to uh waco so waco is a very interesting tournament yes. uh so it is at uh brazos is that how it's pronounced brazos Brazos. park brazos yeah Yeah, park east the beast and it's not a super new tournament or not super old tournament right it's only like i i was trying to figure out how old waco is uh i think six five six years something like that i could be i could be totally off base though i think Uh, it's been around for a while i know big germ won it back to back in 2017 2018 yeah but i I think it's been around longer than that. Maybe it's maybe it's closer to ten years. At any rate, uh, you just mentioned the reason why part of the reason why this tournament's a bit weird. You could throw a dart at the top thirty names in the MPO field and potentially hit the winner. I think sort of the yeah. same with the FPO field nowadays. Yeah, I, I think. To- totally agree. To- well, maybe not top thirty in the FPO, maybe like top fifteen or something. Sure, but. But I mean, at least on the FPO side, this tournament has a bit more consistency in terms of like high-performing players. 
like uh, or or players who have consistently done well like sarah hokum has historically done quite well at this event you know like her last her last three finishes are like second third third fourth something like that you know like she's got a lot of a lot of strong finishes so i i, I guess i get what you're saying at about this like too because kona won kona this won is, this is kona's big big yeah, breakout finish, win right? last year yeah so. uh evelina won the year before uh yeah and interestingly like if you're looking at the fpo like Paige is either going to win by 20 strokes or she's going to get 15th yeah uh and be like nine over uh, so I think that's that's the big thing to look at with Waco is unpredictability. It's a kind of park course, woods course. It's, well, yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's almost evenly split between nine sort of mostly open, open park holes, holes yeah. and nine like very tight wooded holes. Yeah. Uh, worth noting, it's a three-day tournament. All three day rounds are played on the same course. You play the same course three times. Yeah. So it's a and it's a bit shorter. Uh and yeah, it is it is a wild one in terms Often of Often very windy, which is another reason I think you get the some inconsistencies. Yeah, just because if somebody's feeling it in the wind, they could shoot five or six strokes better than the field. Yeah, totally. Cuz it's um, right on a huge river, so the wind just rips through the course. And uh, stop me if I'm wrong. Is this one of the courses? This isn't the course that that Macbeth shot 18 down on, right? It is. Yeah. It is. It it's... is. The, the, but the but the pars have changed since then, right? Yes. Yeah. They his 18 under would be like a 16 under now. I think. I think they took a couple maybe, of maybe even less. It, maybe they even changed because there used to be changed... quite a lot of long par fives through the woods that are now par fours. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And they they changed some of the par fours to par threes as well yeah uh yeah. so with all that being said we've sort of set up the course for you it is a half wooded half open pretty windy course the one thing i was gonna say is this is a course where if you uh get off schedule you get out of position it can get bad fast right like yeah there's not are... a ton of ob but there's a lot of like really dense rough yeah, you're not going to be you're not going to lose strokes to OB, but you might lose strokes to just needing to pitch out. Or well, and if you take a bad kick off the tee, especially if you're throwing a a high speed disc, it could potentially take you multiple strokes to get back to the fairway sometimes. Yeah. Like that's how thick and deep the rough is. Yeah, and so that's that's one thing that I think this course is pretty well known for is you can be really up or you can be really down round around it. And I think you see a lot of movement on the leaderboards with that in mind. Uh, okay. So I want to ask you, Jer, uh, give me a couple of names to look out for in the MPO people who you would, you would project to do well. And then after that, give me a couple of names that you would maybe project to not do as well on a course like this. Um, all right. I think, I think this is a course where it really pays to have, both a backhand and a forehand. So I think, I don't know. I don't know if people expect him to do well now, but I was going to say Gannon Burr, I think could put up another like finish well above his rating his or rating. standing or whatever it is. I think his game suits this course pretty well. I saw a statistic the other day that he went 60 straight holes without a bogey at LVC. Yeah. That's insane. 
very impressive. And then an- another person who often does well at this tournament is Bradley Williams. Mm-hmm. It's a course where the wooded holes often are the make or break portion of the the course. And you don't even need a ton of distance to score on the more open holes. And that's typically his, that's the weakest part of his game is he doesn't throw that far, but he's known as one of the, the smoothest operators. He's got super clean for him and he, he is known to, to shred some, some wood woods courses. So he's sort of a person you wouldn't typically put as a, a tournament threat who, who could do well. All right. And now give me some names that you're maybe less, less enthused about people who you're concerned about might play below their rating, that sort of thing. Um, so somebody who's had a really good start to the season and uh, I'm a big fan of, I unfortunately don't predict will have a great showing here is Thomas Gilbert. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair uh, enough. <laughs> He is sort of the opposite of Bradley Williams, although he does throw forehand and backhand relatively well. I don't think he's the best line hitter. He's good at throwing far, but there's a lot of really tight lines you have to hit through the woods, and I just don't know how reliably he's going to be able to get through that portion of the course. And then the open holes is where the OB comes into play, and I'm I'm worried he might try to do a lot on those holes and find the OB. So... Not to say he can't do well, but I just protect he might. He has the potential to to struggle on on this course. Yeah, fair enough. A name that I'm looking at uh, that I think is it's weird to me. So when we were, I was preparing for our our fantasy drafts this week, and I got put in a, a bit of a weird spot in in one of them where I was picking fourth, and the first three people took uh, Page. Katrina and Paul Macbeth were the three players off the board. And so in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I'm probably supposed to take the next best MPO player here. Uh, and the next best MPO player here is, is Ricky really obviously uh, in terms of rating. And it's weird because this course feels like it's a course that Ricky should shred, right? Like it's yep. a course where you need both spins. It's a course where having a good putter is important. It's a course where scrambling is really valuable. And his performances at this at this tournament have historically really been not as good as his play style would insinuate they should be. Like all of the skill sets that you kind of like think of when you think of a person who should do well at the Beast are things that Ricky kind of exemplifies. And yet his historical finishes are really they're not horrible. Like it's not like he's like finishing, you know, outside the top thirty or something. But he has not had a really uh, stellar performance at this tournament uh, in like years. It's it's never it's not not been one that he's that he's done super well at. Um, and I remember being struck by that when I was looking at it. It was like really surprising. Like eleventh in twenty twenty one. Uh, 49th in in 2020, which is the one that got cut off. So, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. He did get second in 2019. Uh, he got, but then 13th in 2018, you know, third again in, in 2017. But like, you know, these, these uh, outlier finishes were, are concerning for me, I guess I, I should, I will say. Uh, and yeah, so suffice definitely. it to say, I did not, I did not select uh, Ricky. I, I took Kristen Tartar instead. Tatar instead, sorry. Tatar, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, that that's who I had at at the top of or near the top of my list for people you would want to take for this event. Yeah, and yeah. so I guess let's let's switch gears now to talk about the FPO. To me, she's got to be the favorite. I I think when you're looking at people who you want to play steady, you want someone who's got both spins that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, that putts well. Uh, just all of these things point to Kristen in my in my mind. I don't know if you agree. I think you have to start putting Katrina Allen in that conversation too. She's been really consistent as of late. Her putting is vastly improved. I don't know how much she watched of LVC, but she was draining putts from everywhere. Yeah, fair enough. And her forehand's very serviceable. It's not as good as Kristen's, but it's it's serviceable. And she's got the best flip-up game in the FPO, I think. So. Mm. Yeah, so I guess that that's another name to look at. Katrina was not available to me. I actually might have. You're, you're right. I, I might yeah. have thought about taking her. Uh, other names that I think are ones to watch uh, for this event. I think that Missy Gannon has the potential to do pretty well at this yeah, tournament. It is sort of her style, of course. Although I don't think there's FPO T-pads. No. So I think distance is more paramount. So it's sort of hard because you need to have controlled distance in the FPO yeah. field. It's it's frustrating because like this course is really interesting for the MPO, but I think it's less interesting for the FPO just because they don't. I I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain they don't have a set of FPO pads, so they're playing from the same pads as the MPOs, likely with some different pars, and the course just plays much differently if you can throw especially on the open holes if you can throw 400 feet versus if you only throw 350 or so 350 so. or 300 or something yeah 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 that that's fair and that that does kind of uh yeah lead itself to have like some... page probably gets like four to five more birdie looks birdie opportunities than missy per round just because of her distance and i just think it's hard for missy to keep like she needs to capitalize on so many such a higher percentage of her opportunities mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to keep up yeah although it's interesting you bring up Paige because if you want to talk about like boom bust waco players uh that's her right like uh well I'll go so back like to what i said about thomas gilbert and line hitting I think that's the weakest part of Paige's game is hitting tight lines in the woods. She has she has every shot. She she claims she has a good forehand, but we've yet to see it when it when it really matters. Like she's never throwing her forehand on a shot where it really matters. I don't think she's got her she's she does have a very good turnover backhand game. But she is very liable to if she gets out of position, try to get too aggressive and then take big numbers, which is this course will certainly allow you to do that. Like if you get out of position and try to get aggressive, you're bringing triple bogey and worse into play on many holes. Yeah. And if you want to look at like her historic finishes, she won it back to back in 2017 and 2018. Um, and then from sort of there on out, it's been a bit of a decline, right? So first, first, then third, uh, then 13th in 2020. That, again, was the weird, the year where 
the last round of Waco got canceled because of uh, the kind of onset of the coronavirus. So fair enough. That one, I think, and you can even see like, yeah. yeah, and you can even see like she vlogged during that time period. You could tell. I, I, I think it, it challenging to play disc golf at a high level with that kind of thing going on. So uh, understandable. But then, I mean, in 2021, 20, like fifth. So we'll see. She's She's kind of all over the place a little bit at this event. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see see how that goes. Any yeah. other FPO players you're you're worried about? I mean, I feel like we're gonna be broken records by the end of the season. But I mean, I I think Maria Oliva has a reasonable chance to put up a good showing at this event. Uh, she's from Texas. She's played the course lots. Uh, she has the capability to get those birdie looks with her distance she is capable of playing through the woods yeah it just depends if she's able to to put it all together i have uh i have one more hot inside tip uh, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. for for a player who might have a hot round so i'm looking back at the historical finishes for this tournament and in the fpo the the score to win i mean it's a bit it's a bit up and down because like the year that kona won she kind of ran away with the tournament i think right it was like yeah she was up by like 10 strokes or something yeah um but so like if you exclude that as as an outlier because kona was 16 down and the next closest was four um basically you need to shoot a little bit under par in order to be in the running to do well and if you're right at even i think you're you're going to be easily top 10, maybe even in the top five. And I was perusing the UDISC page for this course, uh, for the beast the other day. And one Holland Handley has carded a uh, par 64, I believe it is, is the par for this course, not a week and a half ago. Mm. So, and that's, I don't know what, what scoring system that's with, but they're all, like you were saying, there's only one set of T pads. So, uh yeah maybe maybe look for her to do to do well uh it's literally the best score on record right now at, on udisc for that course it's her <laughs> is her par in the last in the last 30 days that's the best score someone's reported to udisc so uh mpo or fpo on either side uh so yeah that's 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 my other my other hot pick um on the on the fpo side in terms of players to be concerned about I think uh, you'd be remiss not to mention that I mean Hannah Hannah Bloomrose had a had a tough go at LVC. Hard to know, right? It, it it's a it's a course where if things go bad, you get off schedule. You can get really far off schedule. And then I think it's kind of wild that we're talking about this, but the defending champion Kona Panis also to me seems like a, there's a, a lot of potential for issues there. What do you? Yeah, do you think? she's another one who's super streaky like it's tough to know if she gets the confidence of like i've done this before i want it running away like i can do this she could just come out and blow the field away again but if you like she could be anywhere from minus 16 to plus 16 like yeah yeah any sort of anything could happen with kona and she did really struggle at, at lvc so 
it'll be interesting to see how how she does yeah okay i mean those were sort of the players that i was interested in talking about for this event do you have any kind of closing thoughts uh, about this one anything that you're that you're looking for storylines or anything like that um no i i think it's just going to be an exciting i'm i'm i've been super looking forward to this this tournament because i just want to see how the the season starts to play out i i think it's going to be tough for one player to win a ton of events like they have been the past couple of years like last year it was ricky ricky paul and eagle won basically Basically the majority of the events but i i think there's going to be a lot the events are going to be spread out a lot more this year i i predict the yeah, side. I think I think that's what I was going to say is that 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 to me is the only the only storyline. Those are the only storylines I'm really looking for is like, does someone in the MPO kind of dem- like demonstrate that they're maybe uh, playing particularly well this year? I mean, it's a bit weird, right? No Drew for this event. So he doesn't even have the potential. No Eagle back to back. No Eagle. Um, so like in the wake of like those players not being there, like does Gannon put up another really strong finish you know uh does paul sort of uh maybe shut the door on rumors that he might not be the best player in the world anymore uh, i guess one other storyline we missed is that there's a, a cheeky little simon lazad on the yes on, on the, the player list so it's his yeah. his first event of the season but i i don't know how prepared he will be having just uh being a, a new father yeah yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and then on the FPO side, I think the continued storyline, and I think it's going to be the storyline for a lot of the season, is this this Europe, uh, the story of like how well did the the European women perform, um, you know, throughout the course of the tour? Because at LVC, I mean, Kristen was close, but it was still Paige versus Katrina at the end of yeah. the day. So it'll be be interesting to see if uh one of the one of the european players breaks through and and if we start to see that to be more something that trades back and forth or or if it still is is paging katrina uh okay cool i i'm willing to say that we have looked ahead at the at waco we've talked about some players talked about some storylines talked about the course i look forward to coming back next week and talking about how incredibly wrong we were as after paul mcbeth shoots 54 over uh i think you know it's live it could happen ricky shoots uh, 54 under you know. yeah <laughs> the tournament gets won by someone who's like 950 rated it gets it, it's it could be a whole a whole thing <laughs> okay so with, with all that in mind let's uh let's move on to our last segment and this is the the segment that we always have every episode much beloved by us at least this is the disc on the desk so We've been talking about discs already in this episode with discs that are in our bag. Um, I have a different disc from one of those four discs, or do I, uh, on my desk. And (laughs) Jer is going to have to uh, guess what disc this is. So if you've never listened to this segment before, I'll quickly explain how it works. Jer can ask me yes or no questions, and he's trying to work out the exact disc that's in my hand. So that means he needs to get the mold and... um, Sometimes we make it so that you, if it's a signature series disc, you have to guess whose it is. 
that's uh yeah that that's that's the only other caveat he can only ask questions that i can answer with a yes or a no and the goal is to guess in as few questions as possible jar is currently the runaway leader uh with the fewest questions ever asked at six i believe it is yeah uh, so i'm i'm looking to have him take more than six to guess this one go ahead yeah, jared the floor is yours is it a discraft disc it is not is it an innova disc it is not i'm already doing better than usual is it a Discmania disc it's not oh dear <laughs> um you're on to me um i i as possible yeah is it manufactured in europe yes is it a trilogy disc no um is it a castaplast disc yes i see getting warmer yeah yeah is it a putter no is it a mid-range it is a mid-range yes is it a svea it is that's nine i'm doing better i also think it's i don't actually know if it's not a trilogy disc or not because it's it's not it's not it's not yeah i don't but. think you have any trilogy made cast of discs yet yeah yeah it is a nice little lime green uh translucent uh Svea. uh big fan of this disc i actually have one in my bag and i i deliberately didn't put it in the uh list of discs that we talked about in the show today but maybe i should have maybe i should have gone with the the double bluff um but that's okay nine nine is better for me we're 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 working on it we're iterating uh yeah 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 but uh yeah it's a sweet one i i like this disc a lot and uh i bought this this is just a backup that i have on my on my disc rack currently i have a really sweet um kind of like pink swirly one that i throw uh regularly but i i wanted to have an extra just in case so uh i bought myself this one and a bunch of other discs for christmas excellent excellent yeah all right cool do you have uh anything else you want to add or you think we should wrap up the show for this week no i think that's just about everything for me all right cool well thanks so much for listening uh we really appreciate it if you want to contact us you can find us on social media uh at on twitter and instagram at the disc golf hour you can also email us at the disc golf hour at gmail.com if you're looking for jeremy you can find him on twitter at jrh white and if you're looking for me you can find me on instagram uh, at lc disc world uh thanks so much for for listening and we'll see you next week